We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 79 of the pod. It is a firing, hiring, trade, uh, whatever you want to call it, edition of the pod. A lot going on, Matt, in Chicago sports. Uh, not all in the positive vein, but uh, welcoming on here, Matt Rooney, the incomparable Matt Rooney here to episode 79. Matt, why don't you, uh, why don't you kick us off here and get us going? Because I don't know if you can tell here, uh, I'm a little vocally challenged That's okay. today. Um my, my my instrument is is still a little bit uh, worn from this weekend. But, so what uh, you're telling me is I'm going to have to carry the pod today, like a pack mule. I'm Matt, sure like that's a damn pack mule. That's a great formula for success. Um, um, I think we both know where we're starting though here. Yeah, and, uh, I'm not sure there the was a timely firing of Joel Quenville. I'm not sure there was a story in Bears season after a Bears 41 to nine win. That could get us to not lead off talking about the Bears outside of this one or like the Blackhawks trading one of like Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves, right? I think this yeah. is the, the, the firing of Joel Quenville is, is the one story I think that could get us to not talk about the Bears first. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it's very justified that we, we, we lead off with this. Um, I don't know, but I, I think I... Like with the Cleo Mack news, I think I might have broke this news to you as well, sending you a text. Um, but I, I woke up to this, you know, around eight eight thirty yesterday morning. My phone started going off, and I was wondering who the hell is texting me. Why is my phone going off so early? Shut up! I want to go back to sleep. Um, a good thing I checked my phone. Uh, that finding out that Q was fired, I, you know, <laughs> it wasn't even finding out Q was fired. It was you having to go to work. No, it was me. Like, <laughs> hey, we should probably get some people in. Uh, let's go. Um, so I yeah. got into work, and and that was uh, that was an interesting day at work. But it's. It was something I think everybody knew was possible, especially in the off season. Especially, I think that's kind of when people expected it might happen. But I also think when this season started, you kind of felt like, even though Rocky in the off season had said, you know, if things aren't going great by November, you know, Thanksgiving, maybe we'll make a change. Not even saying that coach just changes. Um, I think he kind of thought when when Joel Quenville survived the off season and Stan Bowman survived the off season, that both were going to be safe until the next off season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way this went down was not necessarily done the right way. I think if they were going to let go of Joel Quenville, it would have been a, a courtesy and, and classier way to do it in the off season and just kind of have this whole, you know, same thing the Cubs will probably do with Joe Madden after next year. The, the whole, you know, we're mutually parting ways here. This is a split decision. It's been, you know, however many years we've had this much success and to turn around and kind of fire him right after a road trip, you know, on election day. Um, it just, the, the Hawks have obviously done this in the past. There. I mean, ironically, this is exactly how Joel Quenville was hired. Uh, the Blackhawks fired a legend to bring in Joel Quenville. Mm-hmm. So it's it's weird how that kind of came full circle and maybe it shouldn't have surprised us, but man, that was a, it was a surprising way to do it. But I don't think that news would ever come as not shocking with just how I'm big of a legend pages. he was. I'm on the same page as you with Matt, and I know you'll agree with me, but it's it's different. This is similar in theory to how Quenville took the job, but uh, savvy. Different types of legends. 
for different yes, legends for different reasons. Playing, he's an on-ice legend yeah. for the Blackhawks, and that's yes. why we held him in high regard. This is the second winningest coach in the history of the sport, and I understand you cannot rest on your laurels and what you've done in the past. You have to progress the team and the franchise forward, but this move does not progress them. This is a move that, in my eyes, was the front office, namely Stan Bowman, saying this is still my team. This is not your team, Joel. And this is a strife that we've seen build over the last five, six years between these two guys. And I don't know if something happened behind the scenes that made him pull this last straw. But you're not getting better right now getting rid of Joel Quenville. And this isn't a fantastic team. This isn't one of those championship rosters we've seen in the past. But it's not a bad one. It's the best one we've had in a couple of years, I believe. And I think there is some young talent on the roster that could be molded by no one better than Joel Quenville. This stinks of egos. To me, this is what that is. This stinks of ego and the wrong guy got fired. Shame on the front office above Bowman for firing the wrong guy. Because I understand Joel Quenville has not gotten his guys to play to the level that Blackhawks fans and the front office expects them to. But at the same time, this is a team that was built by Stan Bowman. This is this he does not have the tools at his disposal to win the way he used to. Uh, the guy that should have got fired was the one that traded away Panarin and Jalmerson, or let Jalmerson go. That, that's the guy who should have gotten fired, the guy who has set this team up for failure. And I know when we were texting back and forth, Matt, you said as long as 88 and 19 are on the team, you got a good chance. But you essentially just lost Patrick Kane. I see this as uh. the same thing. I see this as the exact same thing for team morale. For, for the energy and the, and the momentum of this franchise. And I understand you feel that there's no momentum with the franchise, is what you said to me, but there's no better way to get it going in the wrong direction than to fire the galvanizer, than to fire the glue that keeps the team together, than to fire the guy that's brought three cups to your city. Uh, this isn't a good look for fans. This isn't a good look for players. I don't think this locker room's very happy about this move, but here we are, and I, I don't think that... The, uh, I don't think there's going to be many positives to take away from this. You don't get better getting rid of Joel Quenville. I'm not sure that I agree with everything you said. I do think that Joel Quenville deserved to survive longer than Stan Bowman. But I do think in the past, while Stan Bowman has made some wrong moves, I think there are been, have been some guys that you know have gone on to have very productive, talented careers, for lack of a better word, that Joel kind of scared off. The two names that jump out to me are Nick Letty, who Joel never let off the top pair, or the bottom pairing, who's now you know a top-pairing defenseman in New York. Michael Kempney, who couldn't crack the lineup here, who played a big role on a Stanley Cup championship team last year that you know, you'd kill to have on this roster right now. Um, Nick Schmaltz, who has been a very effective second-line center with Patrick Kane, who's the perfect type of player to play with Kane. That's where he's at his most success. Hasn't been able to get off a third-line wing for whatever this year. And I, I think what happened was there have been I, – I do think the Nick Schmaltz uh, healthy scratch over the – or maybe not over the weekend, but whenever it was in Vancouver was was kind of the last straw in addition to going 0-4-1 on this road trip. I, I get what you're saying, and I know that Joel Quenville has provided so much to this city, and with that roster, with that talented roster, with all he did with that team, with how he came into that locker room, which was a, a group of you know basically 23, 24-year-old uber-talented kids who kind of hadn't put it all together, he helped them put it all together. I'm not sure he has the same uber-talented kids to work with, and I'm not sure doing the same things he did in the past is exactly what's going to work with these guys here. And that's not 
like, and that, that's not really is a knock on Joel as much as it is a fact. I, and that's partially, that, that's not partially on Stan. That's on Stan. He hasn't drafted as well as he should. He hasn't gotten the talent in here as well as he should either. But I also don't think Joel Quenville has really adapted his coaching style, his strategy to not having those superstar type talented players. His system, when he has the right pieces in it, is elite. It is fantastic. I mean, they're incredibly hard to beat. We saw that for three years. But I think we also saw the last couple of years that when you have incons- when you don't have those, when your line blender doesn't have, you know, Marion Hosa, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Sharp, Patrick Kane, uh, Brandon Sod back when he was, you know, 22 and still really good. You know, all these uber talented guys, it's, it's a little bit easier to hit that line blender when you got all those options. Whereas this year when they kind of had it, that, that lack of consistency, I can, I, I think wasn't good for these young kids who were getting bounced around the lineup were being healthy scratches without even really telling why. And I think the main thing that they hit on in their press conference yesterday, I'm not sure if you got to see it or hear a lot of the quotes, but the main things McDonough and Bowman were basically saying was, you know, the, the, why we like Jeremy Colleton, the, we love his communication. We love his open ba- base. Communication was the big key to me, the big word for me. And I, and I think that the there was a lack is of there? That. You know what the subtext is there? Control. It's not communication. It's control. They love the fact that they will have 100% control over this guy. See, I don't really think that's the case because I think they also set up, I think in the press conference yesterday too, John McDonough pretty much said like, he, he went very far out of his way in my opinion to say basically, this is Stan's hire, this is Stan's team, you know, basically put everything on Stan. So now he's on the hot seat too. So this doesn't work out. Stan's also going to get fired. This isn't this isn't like, you know, Stan, you bought yourself some time, you're out of the woods. They need to figure this out. They need to figure it out quick or else John McDonough also, I think, has also painted. I think this was cleverly timed as well to, you know, put this on Stan, make this look kind of bad. So when he comes in at the end and if this doesn't work out that he fires Stan Bowman, he's also kind of the white knight and gets to look pretty good, too. I, I don't think this is I a think, we can control you type move. I, I do think they brought this guy in because they complete I, I, from all accounts, from things I I'm, I've read a lot on this. I've, I've yesterday at work when I had some downtime, I was looking up every article I can read. Oh, by, by all accounts, this this head coach they brought in is thought of as an up and coming guy, an up and coming head coach in the NHL, a guy that people think in a very smart, high regard, and a little bit more of an analytical approach than Joel. But I, I think it's it's okay for me to think that Joel got a raw deal, but it also might have been time a year or two ago to give somebody else a shot at coaching this team. That, that's kind of my thing here. I, I think Joel got an absolutely raw deal. I think he should have been the one to outlast Stan Bowman, no doubt about it. But I also don't think that it was the wrong decision to – I think it was the wrong decision to do it now, but I don't think it was the wrong decision to give somebody else a crack at this team. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying there, Matt, but to me it just looks like I, – I, I forecast it. I'm trying to forecast it because the bar is championships with this team. They've set that bar over the last decade that championships is championships are the standard. And to me, this is the first – maybe not first, but one of the first dominoes falling in the wrong direction to the, to the end of something that was fantastic, to the end of an era. And – Oh, make, this is absolutely believe. the first. This is the first kind of like obviously Hosa leave and Sharping leave were, were 
Yeah, and, and I said it is, to you, and I said it to you, get ready for the 300 section to be empty again, because the next time that that building's going to roar the way it used to is when 1988 and Q go up in the rafters. You can add two and seven up there, too. But those are going to be the only nights that the building's full. But the Blackhawks have a problem on their hands. I know they built a fan base, and I know that everyone feigned interest for the last eight years, but that's what it was for the majority of it. There aren't many real hockey fans in Chicago so or is, otherwise. Is what you're saying because Joel Quenville is who he is and how good he was in the past that he should have had a job for life? No, what because I'm saying is hockey. that Joel that's Quenville not... gives your team the best chance to win. But I don't as think a coach, he's done that over the status. last couple of years. I, I don't. Th- I think you've seen the NHL change, and I don't think you've seen Joel change with it. Granted, when the Hawks got good and the Hawks were winning all those cups, he was the one who brought in this modern era of having these defensemen from the be- you know, these fast puck moving offensive defensemen from the back end. Obviously, he liked his mix of the bigger guys too. But it's Duncan, been a mixture of failure. It, it's been a mixture he's of been, failure, man. He's been the guy. Can I say? Just let, just let What's me. the formula, Ben? It's just like the NBA. You go out and get the free agent. The Blackhawks haven't landed a free agent since Marion Hossa. There hasn't been a big name signing since Marion Hossa. Is that is that Joel no, the, Quenville's the, fault? The, the 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 idea that the NHL is all about going out and getting the big free agent isn't is it's just wrong. The the idea of the NHL is draft and development. Granted, they haven't drafted all that well. They also haven't developed all that well, and that's that does fall on the coaching staff. Their development hasn't been great. There have been a lot of Hawks draft picks over the past few years that we've, you know, heard, seen that are these, you know, we, we expect them to be really good. These first round picks that have flamed out. Partially, that's on the draft or the, the drafting. Partially, is on the development, right? It's probably more on the drafting side, which is again why I'm with you. Joel Quenville shouldn't have been first to go behind in, instead of Stan Bowman, but that's that's part of it. And the NHL is not the NBA where you go out and the people that spend the most money. Free agency is funny money in the NHL. It's stupid, and people throw out way too much money every year. The NHL is about drafting development. That's how the Hawks got where they were. Grant and Marion Hossa helped, and he was the the what pushed them over the edge. The reason they got to where they were is because they drafted Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith. They traded for uh, they drafted Brent Seabrook. They drafted Corey Crawford. They traded for a minor leaguer in Christopher Steve. They traded for Patrick Sharpen, who's a minor leaguer. It was development, developing talent. It wasn't going out and spending stupid money on free agents outside of Hosa and Campbell. My point is that there are failures on both sides of this. I, that we can and, agree with. I'm 100% with you. I just am uncomfortable with the direction of the franchise right now because it's headed down and fast. I agree with you there, but I think it's also been headed that way for a year for a few years now. And it, it's, I want to make this perfectly clear. I, I've tried to. I, I'm not anti Joel Quenville or what he did, and I want you understand that, the move. I, I don't. understand the move, and it's, and I, I don't want to sound like a snob. I, I watch the game of hockey a little bit closer than I think the average Hawks fan. Uh, I, I don't think that's, I think that's unfair of me to say. Um, I, I grew up around the game. I, I kind of know what I'm. I, I don't know better than you know maybe my brothers or whatever what they're watching but i think i know a little bit about what i'm watching and joel quenville's style never he never really adapted to what the nhl has become he, he's the help one who helped usher in this new era of you know speed from the back end and all that stuff but he hasn't really changed his style to reflect the even newer nhl that's kind of surpassed what he was doing there there are definitely flaws that Nah, I don't. I don't want to knock Joel Quenville. He is the second winningest coach of all time. He's a legend. He's a fantastic head coach. But part of that too is he's had some flaws, some strategic, you know, ideas, whatever that were covered up by coaching 
three of the NHL's voted top 100 players of all time in their primes. I mean, th- th- there's no denying that having those three absolutely, and, and he helped them as well, but having those three helped boost him a little bit as well. And it's a little bit easier, like I said, to hit that line blender when you're blending a, a Patrick Sharp in his prime down to your third line. That's all I'm saying. It, 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 there were there, There's a stubbornness to Joel that I think finally got kind of the best of both. And obviously, you, you touched on it earlier, him and Stan had an awful relationship. And as much as they want to say they were they had a great relationship in the press conference yesterday, they, they did not like each other. They didn't see eye to eye a lot. And eventually, one was going to win over the other. But it's it, it was time for a change, and I'm not sure they made the right one. But I think it might have been time to make you know for both of them to kind of me be out at some point I, I, that's yeah, it was, just kind of where time, I'm at. I, I guess i guess with from your point of view it was time for a change but it was the wrong time for a change yes. in my eyes i and, that, that uh, i told it should have been either you now, at, in the off you season or it. in the next off season you now lose another season and not, um i, I, I think it's a throwaway what are they, they going to do with this guy i i have seen well you know, a lot of people is said now, is he, is he Boston a killer or do they have plans of go getting in a, a coach? No, I, they, this, he's not the interim. He's not the interim head coach. They hired him as the head coach, which, which shows you they do actually believe he's going to be here for a while. Cause if he was just some sort of patsy holdover, they would have said, you're the interim. Here you go. Go ahead. Um, th- I mean, th- this has worked in the past in the NHL. It's a little bit, you know, different from other most sports i mean a couple years ago boston the bruins you know where they were kind of middling uh they went and they fired claude julian who was seen as behind mike babcock and joel quenville the best coach in the yeah. nhl and you know what have they done the last couple of years where they've just been atop the eastern conference and they haven't gotten to where they need to get but they've been a different team but part of that has also been they drafted well but they brought a guy who was a little bit more familiar with developing younger talent and that's that's where i think where they like this jeremy colleton because he's been the head coach of Rockford, he knows a lot of these younger, talented guys. Or not younger, the younger talent on the roster. He, he's developed them. He has good relationships with them. So it's not like they're just throwing in some random new voice who none of these guys have ever heard of. They're all familiar with him. He's been around the building. They know who he is. And he does have, if you, if you listen to a lot of the younger guys talk yesterday, read their quotes, they have a lot of respect for this guy and like the, the style of coach he is. Well, I'm rooting for him. And, and I hope it's good. But I think what I'm seeing and what we're seeing is a a slow bleed, and I think at the end of a dynasty, and to to hearken it back to I don't know, maybe the Patriots. You're seeing the last couple of years of a dynasty, but when it goes, it's gonna all go at once. I wanted to see the Blackhawks, and I'm not gonna call it a dynasty because they haven't won in some years, but mm-hmm. I wanted to see the Blackhawks era go at once. I wanted to see him get bad all in a hurry. I mm-hmm. wanted to see eighteen, or excuse me, I wanted to see nineteen eighty-eight seven and two all leave at once and ride off into the sunset with Q. You want to see him bad for a while, basically, and then be bad for a while. And now we're going to watch a team bleed out and die and be bad for even longer. I'm not. Is, there is what I'm forecasting yet. I'm not going to go one at a time. I don't it's trust. Gonna be slow. That. It's going to be a decade. You're going to look back at as that that great period after all of the success we had. I'm not there yet. And I, I well, I don't really trust Stan Bowman exactly where to, to, to get them where they need to be. I'm not sure in the off season, he's going to be one making the decisions, uh, which is where I have, I, I guess, hold out a little hope, but I still do think there's a little bit more younger talent to come here. I know there's some, some very 
talented, highly thought of defensive prospects that are mm-hmm. on the way. They have a 19 year old who's already playing first pairing minutes. Adam Bogfist al- almost made the team out of camp this year. Granted, if you look at the blue line, I mean, they're, wouldn't be that hard to make the team, but he's also a guy yeah. who saw us like you know two three years away that almost made it right out of camp in his first year. So I, I think there's some talent there, and I'm not ready to call the dynasty that whatever this era is dead yet because Patrick Kane's you know just about to turn thirty. Jonathan Taves is thirty, so they're not they're older, but they're not. I mean, in hockey, that's that's they still got some years left. Um, I think there needs to be a little bit of an overhaul talented talent wise on the back end, but I'm not ready to, to call it for the Blackhawks yet. Well, I can see, now, I can, I can understand. Soon. I can understand your fears though of the, the slow bleed. I, I, I can absolutely understand those fears. I think it stands face too. I think it's face. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. He honestly, if you, if you look at, if you look at a picture of Stan Bowman from, you know, 2010, I've never seen him smile. Won. Even like, even when he has the cup in his hands, he's like, He's like, like got like an open. He's smile. got like an open mouth. It's not even a smile. <laughs> but like the amount, uh, the amount of like wrinkles and aging he's done in the last ten years. If you look at him, he looks like he's aged twenty years in the last ten. Question: Colleton, sure. Colleton, 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 Colleton. How Jeremy Colleton, thirty-three. Okay, so um, maybe we'll bring in a little Los Angeles Rams. Luster here, little, you know, work, young, work for them. Little young coach luster. Oh goodness! All right, Matt. Well, obviously, plenty more going to come out of this as the season goes on. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there's a, a tell-all at some point. Maybe not in the near future, but um, just the way that this went down smells a little fishy. Smells of ego to there, me. And uh, I there think could be hopefully the of this a great Roman, uh, Quentin book. saga. There could be hopefully like a great book that comes out of this, and not not yet, or you know, even. During Patrick Kane, Jonathan, their careers, but like I got your title. It's called Q and A. Quenville and ass. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> now let's move on before I start swearing here. Uh, let's go positive. Don't want you to uh, raise your bears. Voice. Bears coming away. I know. I gotta get a little chamomile going here. Uh, bears coming away victorious as we demanded a couple weeks ago, saying you gotta beat the Bills, you gotta beat the Jets. They've gone out there and convincingly done both of those. They must now listen you to get the pod. They do. Now you get a little divisional matchup uh, with the Lions. Another, in my eyes, must win if you want to make the playoffs, if you want to win this division. Uh, They're currently first in the division. And some news coming down just moments ago on the Twitter sphere. uh, Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson both expected to practice and play this week. So some good news there. And the strategy of sitting near two studs, stars, a couple of your biggest weapons against two very beatable opponents is sometimes nerve-wracking, but the Bears were able to handle it in their absence, and thankfully so. They now focus on the Detroit Lions, Matt. Yeah, I mean, that was... It was the smart move. I'm glad they went out and, and had the foresight, especially after the New England game where both of them were pretty ineffective. Just say, you know what, we, we need them for the stretch run. Let's take our chances here. But they did exactly what everybody said. They needed to go win those two games. They did so, and they did so in fairly convincing fashion, especially the Buffalo game. And like you said, this is must win as well. I mean, they, they need to take it. They need to take two out of three in this next three-game stretch, right? I mean, they're five and three right now. I think you need to say they need to be seven and four, and then you got you know the, the Giants and the Niners on the schedule. Those are be must wins, and then they got three tough ones. So they need to figure out a way to get themselves ten wins, and I think you do that by taking you know two out of three. Whether that's both against the Lions, great, but I, I think you need to figure out a way to to come out of here seven and four in this next stretch. 
Yeah, get to 10 wins, and uh, if you come out and you play defensively the way that they did last week, I don't know if there's an opponent that uh, that they can't hang with. Yeah, that and defense I know, is getting Khalil Mack I know back. it was a Nathan Peterman-led offense that was ready to give the ball away, but at the same time, these guys found themselves around the ball. They were active around the ball. They got to the quarterback. They again stopped the run. The defense looked fantastic. Offense got it done, too. They pitched in points. Uh, Mitch Trubisky kind of becoming a second-half quarterback with zero pressure on him, which you know you want to see him succeed at all times, but a lot of missed throws again in the first half, but that's, I think, who Mitch Trubisky is right now. I think that's something that doesn't get cleaned up to the offseason mm-hmm. ever. You know, the accuracy is an issue. And uh, he's one of the more inaccurate quarterbacks in the league, if you look at the metric. And that's not the worst thing in the world because Tom Brady's high on that list. There's a couple other guys who have, uh, by percentage, missed a lot of open targets. Mitch Trubisky's the leader in that clubhouse. But uh, he did find a way to keep his team ahead and, and and put his team in a, a position to win once again but it's not going to be as easy against the, the Detroit Lions. No, he's going to have to do some Packers things here. Or against the two games against the Vikings. He's going to have to be better and I expect him to be and I think he has the ability to be because we have seen the flashes. It's now stretching those flashes over 60 minutes of football. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I mean, the, the Jets game was, I think, a perfect example of it. We kind of saw him struggle through and then we to what was it? I think seven three and a half, and then when the mm-hmm. they actually needed him come up to make you know make some big throws, put together some drives, he did finally did that. But you're going to have to see more complete efforts, obviously against the Lions, like you said, but most definitely against the Vikings. I believe they're at home against the Vikings, so they yeah, it's Sunday night football at home, and then you know especially coming up in games with the Rams and the Packers again. But yeah, we we've seen those flashes, and hopefully we can see a little bit more progression like that, like you said. But it's just it, it's going to be really nice for them to to get back. Khalil Mack, and I think especially Allen Robinson, who in the early going was kind of Mitch's, I don't want to say safety blanket, because that sounds like a demeaning term to Mitch, but kind of like his safety blanket in the early going. It's just another weapon to kind of keep this offense. Uh, I think it was nice for me was that they kept Mitch kind of clean on the offensive line. Uh, Buffalo has a fairly formidable defensive front for how awful their their offense is. That defense is pretty solid. Defense that we saw gave Tom Brady and the Patriots all they could handle on Monday night, and I thought the offensive and that's your line first game a, without your all pro guard. Yeah, uh, that's, thought, that's always a good sign when your offensive line can go full next man up mode and be as clean as you said and be as effective as they were on Sunday. Yeah, I mean that's why they went out and they, they didn't go out and get him. They got him last, but held on to Eric Cush because that's a guy who, while he's not necessarily a guy you want starting every week, which now he's going to have to, mm-hmm. he is a fine you know sixth guy who can kind of bounce between a couple positions that you feel comfortable playing with for a stretch if you have to. Uh, they didn't run the ball again as much as as well as I'd like to. I, I know Jordan Howard had two touchdowns, which is great, but you know I, I don't think that should mask 47 yards on 14 carries or whatever the hell it was. I don't think that's good enough, and I think they need to figure out a way to run the football. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly how that is at this point, but uh, it's not See, my I job like to figure balance that out. right now. I, but I like the balance right now. If you start catering to a guy who I agree could be a feature back then you lose your identity as a multiple offense. Oh, see, I'm not saying I'm not, think, I'm not I'm not saying I, cater the offense to Jordan Howard. I'm saying Jordan Howard needs to do better than averaging, you know, three yards a carry. Touches that he has. But when you get saying. 14 okay. carries, I, I yeah. expect Jordan Howard to have a little more than 47 yards. If that makes like that's not it's not awful, but I think that's that's not really great for me. I'd like to see him be a little bit show a little bit more of the the flashes. I, I hate we use the word flashes all the time talking about yeah. think, talking about with the Bears, but a little bit more of the flashes rather than just seeing him, you know, 
dance around and kind of pick up three and a half and, and go down, which is, I, I guess, fine. But you don't, especially with a young quarterback who's been a little bit more inaccurate, you'd rather see, you know, first and or second and five rather than second and seven, second and four rather than second and seven. I don't think we're seeing that enough when Jordan Howard's getting the ball on first down. Yeah, if that makes I'd, sense. I'd have to I'd have to agree with you there, Matt. It is three divisional opponents in the next twelve days. Uh, the Lions this yeah, week. Yeah, talk about that Sunday, turnaround. The Vikings on Sunday night football, so a late one, and then you're turning around to a Thanksgiving matchup once again with the Lions. So a tough three game stretch here. If you can take two of these three, three of the three would obviously be the most That'd be ideal nice. situation. I would take it. I would take but, that uh, if I had to. But this is going to be one of the tougher and more telling stretches over this next 12 days for the Chicago Bears. Going to be a lot of fun to watch. Man, how, you how, about your boy, the NFL? how about your boy Kyle Fuller? He had himself a nice little day. Yes, and I've I've become a, I, a Joe, Kyle I just, Fuller uh, I, patriot. Yes. I can give you I'm, I can a Kyle, give I'm a Kyle Fuller guy now. I, we should oh, have another win, though. That's <laughs> Excuse me, clear my throat here before we whip it around the NFL. That's what Thursday night football. Hit the music. Thursday night football. 49ers and Raiders. The 49ers trounced the Raiders in the Battle of the Bay, 34-3. Nick Mullins in his uh, NFL debut, throwing for 262 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. He now will, excuse me, make the start on on Sunday night football, Monday night football, excuse me, against the Giants. So we're going to see Nick Mullins again against an OK defense. Giants defense has been the only thing keeping them in games. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be more telling what Nick Mullins is this week rather than last week. The Raiders are a dumpster fire. Everybody's gone. It's uh, John Gruden and a bunch of picks. Um, I, I think what you learned last week is that Kyle Shanahan is a phenomenal offensive lineman. That's not really a knock yep. on Nick Mullins, but he took a guy named Nick Mullins and put up mm-hmm. 34 points on an NFL defense. And let's not, I know Nick Mullins didn't really translate to the NFL, but he is no, the guy you, who broke you know all I mean. of Brett Favre's record at Southern Miss. But yes, a, a a guy who was on the practice squad four weeks ago, uh, throwing for 262 yards and uh, winning a game 34 to three. That's yes. great coaching. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care the situation. Yeah. Chiefs and Browns, the Chiefs win 37 to 21. The Mahomes trains carries on. He passes for 375 yards and three touchdowns. Travis Kelsey finally getting in the mix with two tutties of his own. You know, I was in Vegas this week. I had the Chiefs and the over in a, in a parlay. And, and <laughs> I'm really happy that the uh, the Chiefs held on there at the end to, to cover the eight because the Browns got the ball back. And I thought I was, you know, but that, that's my thoughts on that one. And that was my lock of the week last week. Moving me to six and three on the season. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Jets and Dolphins. Dolphins win an ugly one, thirteen to six. I did not see a minute of this, Matt. You got anything? Um, it happens. a real bad. Sam Jets Darnold threw bad. four interceptions. Lions and Vikings. Vikings win twenty-four to nine. Uh, again, I, we were both out of town this week. I'm trying to remember what I saw and what I didn't see. Well, I was out of town, but I was in a sports book. Yeah, you, so you, <laughs> should, yeah, you should be all over this. But uh, the Vikings winning against a divisional opponent. Uh, the Lions looking like uh, the, the shaky, anemic offense that they usually do, I believe. And uh, Neither really looked all that impressive. Um, I mean, I know the Vikings ended up winning 24-9, but it was 17-9 if Matthew Stafford doesn't throw away some weird option pitch to nobody. Um, yeah, it was just it was kind of a weird game. It, it, kind of like the Jets and the Dolphins, it, it happened. It was there. That's about and, uh, it. And the Vikings without uh, Stefan Diggs. Uh, he's now on the bye. And I, I think that coming down the stretch, I just don't see 
Adam Thielen being a feature wide receiver for 16 weeks. I just he's got to have Diggs on the other side. I mean, they got it. I think I think he really does. Yeah. And Diggs is and Diggs is one hit away from being in the same position Thielen was last week alone and you know taking too many targets. But yeah. uh, and all problems that we wouldn't be mad to see. I don't remember how you reacted last year or in the offseason when I said I'm not sure Kirk Cousins does more for the offense than Case Keenum did last year. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking kinda, I'm looking kind of right. So I'm going to yeah. credit me for that. Good job, man. Falcons and Redskins. The Falcons even themselves to 4-4 four and four with a 38-14 to 14 win over the Redskins. Uh, Julio Jones breaking his 12-game touchdown drought. He scored. At Ryan. Matt Ryan throws for 350 yards. I think we saw peak Falcons, but uh, that's kind of what the Falcons have been for the last half decade. Is you see peaks, but there's there's big valleys too. So if they can sustain this type of this type of uh, play and, and win, string together some wins. I think you're looking at a playoff Falcons team again. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to credit us again, but we said a couple weeks ago if the, if the Falcons won that they're one and four, if they beat the Bucks in that game at home, you know, kind of watch out, they'd be right back in the thick of things. Look, now they're four and four. On the other side, Washington, I just I can't figure them out. One week they look really good, and then another week they lose by you know 24 points at home. So uh, well, they're, they're a tough team to figure that's out. That's what happens when you're driving forces a thousand year old running back. Is there's going to be some good weeks and there's going to be some bad. And weeks. and Alex Smith. Yes. Oh, of course. Speaking of quarterbacks who changed jerseys but changed nothing. Yes. Buccaneers and Panthers. Panthers win 42 to 28. Um, I think my biggest takeaway here, again, not one that I saw a ton of, but my biggest takeaway is that Christian McCaffrey is sneaky one of the best players in this entire league. Yeah, he, he kind of flies under the radar because Cam mm-hmm. is so polarizing and so talented. I mean, Cam, Cam threw for 247. I, I think he rushed for a couple as well. Um, he kind of falls under the radar there because he's just kind of this, he's not always doing it on the ground. He's, do, he's doing it through the air too. Um, and, and him and Cam are really, really tough to do. I know Cam doesn't have a ton of receiving options or receiver options, but man, Christian McCaffrey is as good of a weapon as they come, I think. We've got the Steelers and the Ravens in a little bit of a rivalry matchup there. Uh, the Steelers winning 23 to 16. Big Ben going down for a short moment, um, laboring himself back to his feet and leading the team to dead. victory. <laughs> I think he, I I think even, he even said, said, I thought I was said, dead. Like, uh, man, talk about two, t- two teams going opposite directions. I mean, when these two teams played on Sunday Night Football, what was it three, four weeks ago? And we kind of all thought this is the end for the Steelers. We talked about the end of the Blackhawks, kind of thought this might be the end of the Steelers. And now they're 5-2-1. Mm-hmm. The Ravens looked like they were going to run away with that division. Uh, they've lost however many in a row, four and five. They kind of look like they're lost a little bit. Now you're even seeing John Harbaugh in the off, se- off a hot seat. I don't like to say off. Um, but, uh, yeah, just two teams going two absolutely different directions. You didn't really see it coming. Texans and Broncos. The Broncos with uh, with a field goal to win it at the end. They do not convert. Nineteen to seventeen. The Texans win now six and three. And I believe the Texans have won something like what five straight. Six yeah. Straight so the, the Texans started out zero and three, and now they're zero and three. And they've yeah, won. I believe it was they've won three. six straight games and uh, looking like a bit of a juggernaut. Looking like the team that we expected them to be. Honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, when they came out zero and three. That was more of a surprise than six straight wins to me. Uh, they weren't overly impressive in this one, but again, it's uh-huh. it's a road game in the NFL, and you don't have to really be overly impressive as long as you come out with the win, and that's that's what they did. And with how that division's kind of shaping up, it looks like they'll probably run away with it. But uh, yeah, like you said, they're they're turning out to be the team we we thought they were week one before that 0-3 start. Chargers and Seahawks. Chargers win twenty-five to seventeen. 
uh, kind of another uh, lame duck game, but I think the headline here, Philip Rivers making his 200th consecutive start. Uh, pretty unbelievable when it comes to the NFL. I don't care what position you play. Yeah, uh, he's going to go down as probably the more <laughs> underrated quarterback of that era, especially that draft class, because, you know, Big Ben has the two Super Bowls, Eli, well, Philip Rivers is better than Eli. Eli has the two Super Bowls, and now Eli's polarizing because of how bad he is. And Philip Rivers just keeps flying under the radar and just keeps producing and winning. And I tell you what, I'm kind of getting more and more excited for that Chargers-Chiefs matchup towards the end of the year because that's a fun rivalry, and both these teams look really, really good. The Rams and the Saints went at it in a battle of a possible NFC Championship preview. The Saints... You say possible because the Bears. 35... Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, the Saints coming away victorious, 45-35. I think the Rams just dug themselves too big of a hole there in yeah. the first half, and this was the Saints at home, one of the toughest places to play. The Rams don't come out of there with a the win, but I think they come out of there knowing that they can play with any team anywhere. Yeah, and, uh, that's, that's a great point. The silver lining for the Rams, but the Saints putting their foot in the ground and saying, hey, this NFC goes to us right now, and I really think it does. We'll get, we'll get to that more later on. Uh, in a buy or sell, I believe, but uh, the Saints making a statement to the in the entire league that uh, we're here to play. Uh, man, I I was watching this game. I was actually on the plane on the flight home. I had this going. Um, I love the Bears, and I, I think on any given Shout Sunday they technology. can I can they can beat any given team, but they're not in that class yet. As much as we want them to be, as much as we hope they will be one day, they, they are not in that class. And I'm not sure there's anybody outside the New England Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs that are in that class. But uh, I think we absolutely saw the class, the NFC in that game. And again, not that the Bears can't beat anybody on any given Sunday, but those two teams really set themselves apart. I thought that was as fun of a game as I think you're going to see in the NFL this year outside of, you know, maybe Patriots, Chiefs. Sunday Night Football, Cheeteds and the Patriots, 31-17. The Patriots come away victorious in the battle of Rodgers and Brady. I'm so glad it's over actual so I don't have to hear about drop that. It. Drop it. There is one Tom Brady. Okay? Thank you. Cool. Aaron Rodgers can throw the ball from seven different arm slots. He's got one ring. Get off my porch. Yeah, there's, Patriots 31, Packers 17. There's a difference between the best and the most talented. Mm-hmm. That, that that's kind of where I'll, I'll leave that but um, the more I watch the Patriots I'm going to take this away from the quarterback battle because that's all we literally heard about for like two weeks building up to this game James White is one of the more underrated undervalued yeah. weapons I think in the NFL I, I, I'm not seeing I forgot to look up his box score but I you know he ran pretty well and he, he's out of the backfield he's we talked about Christian McCaffrey being an elite weapon James White's an elite weapon catching the ball out of the backfield because they got guys like Gronk Edelman Gordon you know that those are the guys that get all the attention and Patriots running backs seem kind of recyclable over the last couple of years this one stuck for a while and I think this one's sticking for a while in the, in the Falcons game he could have been that Super Bowl MVP. He had three touchdowns in the second half. He's a fantastic weapon and one of the more underrated players, I think, in the NFL. But at the same time, he could disappear two weeks from now. You don't yeah. know because Bill Belichick could about cut. the recyclable nature. Sony Michelle, five weeks ago, looked like he was going to be the future back and then hurt himself. So mm-hmm. it's all it's all who's ready to play this week, who gives us the best chance to win. Uh, don't look now. Josh Gordon, five receptions, 130 yards, and a well, touchdown. We said it was either going to go great or he'd be gone after two games. It looks like he's Dangerous. Peligroso. Titans and Cowboys uh, Monday night. I was on a plane. Titans win 28-14. You didn't miss much. Uh, Dak Prescott. 
doesn't look great, but uh, he wasn't great. That Cowboy Cowboys have a new toy to lean on in uh, in why am I blanking right Amari now? Amari Cooper. In, uh, Amari Cooper. Thank you very much. Uh, Coop scoring eight minutes into his debut, but I think they need to get Coop the ball more. I think they need to get Zeke the ball more because Zeke uh, touched the ball one time in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think coaching might be the so issue they, there. They need a new head coach. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. I know they're. they're there might not be any benefit to doing it in season because you know what's it going to change at this point. But they, they just they need a new head coach. They they have them. I mean, Dak's not the greatest quarterback in the world, but Dak's a solid quarterback. Seeks an elite talent. Amari Cooper has flashed. I mean, I was just one game with him, but he's flashed being a, a very good receiver. That Cole Beasley wasn't involved at all. Alan Hearns is a talented guy. They have some weapons. They have an offensive line. They're just they don't perform, and that's the the coach has to be accountable for that. That's your NFL whip around there with Matt and Joe. Uh, Matt, let's move it right along to the Diamond uh, and a uh, excuse me MLB trade that trade that one. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. No, the season ended there. already. The MLB uh, free agency frenzy about to hit a fever pitch. Uh, the White Sox making a move, an extension move uh, in in the managerial. Position. Talk about a news dump. <laughs> They do it yesterday. On the are going to be around for what was the extension? Uh, they did, they didn't say the the details. They said just beyond the 2019 season. So I think yeah, his contract so. was up after this year. So it's just they didn't pretty much a concession of Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi of the Cubs. I think. Yeah, I think that's that's okay. kind of what's going what on there. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, I think that's, um, that's something Sox, we're looking for. Uh, Sox said to be big players still in the Machado and Harper uh, sweepstakes. You said you saw a report that says the Cubs have stepped back from those negotiations a bit. Yeah, you know um, that that's been the. The consensus here about the last week is that, you know, obviously throughout the season, every Cubs beat reporter, writer, national beat reporter was telling you how the Cubs are going to go sign Bryce Harper. They're going to be for both. Now it's starting to come out that, you know, they're, they're probably not. They're probably going to try and spread the money around a little bit. Maybe that's because of how they flamed out in the playoffs and think they're, they're, problems stem from more than just one big bat one big name whatever yep. um i think they spent they too just committed whatever it was 13 something million to cole hamels so that's that's some money there their, their payroll is already incredibly high um so i i don't see them unless something changes unless they get something big off the books i don't think they're going to go out and be big players for those guys which i mean they, they have a very talented roster they don't really need to go out and get either of those guys those guys are a luxury for them at that point and maybe one that uh, they want to hold off on uh, splurging yeah. for. And and John Morosi, splurging is an understatement because John Morosi's report came out that uh, Bryce Harper turned down an, uh, a, quote, aggressive deal from the Washington The report Nationals was 10 years, had, 300 mil. 10 years, $300 million. So yeah. 10 years, so. $300 million is not going to get it done, apparently, for Bryce Harper. I think he wants to be the first $400 million man. And God God bless you if you can get it, Bryce. God I mean, the only way he's getting that is if it's a team opt-out after, like, five years and the team's just obviously, like, oh, it's got to be. Yeah, no, no one. Um, I don't think, yeah. I don't think, I don't think Bryce Harper's got 10 years of baseball left in There's him. There's one... $400 million man in baseball right now, and that would be Mike Trout if he hit the open market. And no one gets to watch him play baseball. Yeah, no, he's, he's, a, he's an Anaheim, and nobody really watches that. He's playing that. in the Los Angeles suburbs at 1 in the morning. That yeah, works, so. and no one gets to watch him play. I, 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 we've, we've said it on this podcast. Uh, the Sox, are if they don't get one of Machado or Harper, it's not going to be because they didn't try. It's not going to be because they yep. didn't offer them a ton of money. It's be, be going to be because... Those guys wanted different opportunities. 
I don't think the Sox are going to get on Ricky. I don't think Go Ricky's going to get Ricky. outbid. I don't think he's going to get outbid, but he might get out. You know, where, where, where somebody might see a better opportunity. Maybe Bryce wants to stay out east. I'm not really sure, but th- they will not be outbid for either one of these guys. And it's it's going to be fun to watch their pursuit up. Maybe Matt, both. Maybe we get both today. Let's let's jump back to the gridiron. Uh, college football ranking coming out. Bama still one. Clemson two. ND three and the Michigan Wolverines breaking into the top four. Uh, does this make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, I think everything looks right. Um, I think it's all going to change after the SEC championship. Game. I think the SEC championship game is going to. So here's the story. Here is my question and to you: Could Michigan could hang in this four spot for the next four weeks, not lose, and still get bumped? That's kind of my question. Because I was say, which I, I, I don't think this is going to happen because I think Alabama is going to beat Georgia by. Two or three touchdowns. Um, say Georgia, Georgia wins by a point. If say, Georgia loses on a last second, well, field Georgia's goal, out. They they'd be yeah, as a two loss team. They'd be out. Two loss team. Yeah. Two. Uh, the, the if they lose by a point and their loss to LSU was you know by a point or a field goal. Okay. Okay. Georgia wins. Are. Georgia wins. That's my argument to you because if Georgia wins, they're, obviously they're in. Um, if Georgia wins that SEC championship game and it's you know walk off field goal and they beat Bama. 31 30 whatever the hell it is do you really see especially after lsu just lost 29 to nothing at home they're out gained 500 something yards to 100 something they, they never really sniffed the end zone well their, their defense hung in for a little while i mean it wasn't really all that close lsu is a two loss team now that only dropped to number seven they're still ahead of one loss teams uh west virginia washington state ohio state Mm-hmm. The committee clearly doesn't see that Alabama loss, that shellacking from Alabama, as a bad loss, which means that look I at how shows, highly they think, think of Alabama. Someone's well, getting bumped if shows. Alabama's a one-loss team. And now, if they lose by two touchdowns in Georgia, okay, they're out. Then they deserve to be out. Yeah, but if they lose in a close game, a walk-off SEC field goal, I think you're just seeing SEC bias there. Matt, Could be the fact that LSU didn't drop that far. I think it's just be. SEC bias and trying to keep LSU high enough to be in a marquee bowl game as well. That's fair. Um, That's a fair that point. They, not that they don't deserve to be, but like you said, unless Bama lays an egg, which I don't see happening, unless they lose, uh, I mean, it's all moot because they're going to win out. To Georgia, they're going to win out. But yes, uh, but if if Georgia does pull off that victory, it. I think it's still a no-brainer. Georgia, Clemson, or I don't, in in what order? I don't know, but Georgia, Clemson, Bama, and D. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you, um, unfortunately. <laughs> and I, Michigan's doing their best to make a Michigan's doing their best to make a case. And I was a little bit surprised to see you know Michigan State still in the top twenty-five. Michigan State was not ranked last week. They dropped, jumped all the way to eighteen. Penn State lost forty-two to seven. They they're still in the top twenty. So Michigan still has those two resume looks. But I mean, you you look at their wins. I mean, Penn State was the most impressive one by far. And that was against, you know, a beat up Trace McSorley and a team that's kind of on the ropes, I guess, on the ropes close to being knocked out for the year. Um, so I, Michigan still controls their own destiny, but they're, they're going to have to do it impressively against Ohio State. Now, if they go out and route Ohio State and they route the Big Ten championship, it's going to be tough to keep them out. But but we'll see. I mean, it, I think it's more likely that they lose to Ohio State. Uh, not not. I think that. It's more likely that they lose to Ohio State than Georgia beats Bama. I guess what I'm saying. Yes. I think the committee's yes. 
going to have I, a decision to make with with a two loss Michigan team, and obviously there's no decision decision to be made there. Yeah. Then you're then you have a fourth spot open with a number of teams who can make a case for it. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it's really confusing if they lose to Ohio State. But well, it's all going to come to fruition in these next few weeks, and uh, the committee will find a way to leave someone out because that's what's going to happen when there's four teams. Did it's you no did you watch it. that selection show or whatever last night at halftime? The car, or in between the two college basketball games. I, I had it on. I wasn't watching it. It was so on David Pollock. Monitor. I think it was David Pollock. He, mm-hmm. I don't think he knows what control your own destiny is because he literally <laughs> said Michigan at, at different times. He said Michigan, Georgia, and Oklahoma like all control their own destiny, but then also said, like, well, you know, they might need this to happen too. It's like, <laughs> like David. Well, well, no, it's, it's, it's one or the other there. But okay, Georgia, I'll give you. Georgia does control their own destiny because if they went out and beat Alabama, they're in. Michigan probably does, but you don't know that for sure. Oklahoma absolutely doesn't. Oklahoma needs <laughs> at least one team ahead of them to go down. And you're like, well, you know, if they went out and do it impressively and get a little bit of help, maybe they're in. It's like, okay, that's not control your own destiny. I, just, I guess I they, they control that their own destiny, but their destiny might not be the college football player. Yeah, I like, guess could be the argument control their own that's destiny, made there. But, it might not <laughs> but they might be destined for, like, I don't know, the Cotton Bowl or, or whatever's not maybe one of them play this year. Maybe they'll <laughs> They're destined for something that, for that. That's for sure. Uh, Matt, let's jump into our locks in the week here before we get to a little bit of buy or sell. Uh, currently sitting at six and three. Both of us notching wins last week. Pat ourselves on the back there for a moment. Credit uh, us. I'm currently sitting at six and three, and you are about to make the turn to 500, sitting at four and five. Matt, who's going to get you to five and five? Give the folks a lock. You know, the old saying goes Joe, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm going to stick with the New England Patriots. Uh, okay. Six and a half now, I'm seeing. Minus six and a half at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the New England Patriots, six and a half. The New England Patriots. I think we've both kind of taken similar approaches. Yeah, you've been a Chiefs guy, I've been a Patriots guy. I rode the Chiefs. Yeah, I rode the Chiefs for a couple weeks and. Uh, uh, got it. I think I went one and one with the Chiefs. I'm going to jump off the Chiefs train here this week. 17 is uh, a lot of points. Jump. Yeah, 17 is a lot of points uh, in college, let alone uh, the NFL. An NFL line. But uh, I'm going to ride with our Bears, and I always say don't bet with your heart. But uh, for, for Locke's sake, I really like the line this week. Six and a half. They are laying against the Detroit Lions at home. I think that Matt Nagy really has this team in a good place mentally going into a marquee matchup or going into a divisional game, whatever you mm-hmm. want to bill it as. I think they understand the moment. I think they understand what they can do for themselves, not only this Sunday, but you put a number up on the Detroit Lions and you win this Sunday and you get in their heads for two or for Thanksgiving Day. So yeah. there, there's a lot. This is a mentally... Not just for the record, this is mentally very important for the Bears. I think for their mind state, their mentality going into these divisional matchups. I agree with that, and I think they understand that, and I think they are going to act upon that. This is going to be at least a 10-point win. Hey, last time you picked the Bears as your lock of the week, they went out and won 48-10. People forget that. That's me knocking on wood. Knocking on wood. Okay, I thought someone was Uh, in your door and you actually had to stop the podcast. No, we're all good. We're okay. all good. The, uh, the, uh, I don't know if you guys can hear a little buzzing in the background, but we got no. a little 
a little lawn, little lawn service. Going no, we're good. Deal. I don't hear anything. Deal. I think you're great. Sound great. Beautiful. Good audio. Matt, let's jump into some segments here. Uh, buy or sell. Last night, we saw the college basketball season begin at number four, Duke, putting a route on the number two, Kentucky Wildcats. Those four freshmen for Duke look like they're going to be a blast to watch all season. And uh, this is just the overreaction meter right here. Matt, buy or sell. Duke loses a game this season. I mean, I'm going to have to buy it simply because just out of numbers, they brought a sheer numbers and they put, I mean, I think I saw the ACC has seven ranked teams in the conference this year wow. and going on the road in the ACC with, with all, all, you know, basically all freshmen. Um, that's, mm-hmm. that's not easy. And as talented as they are, no one, task. no one is opposed to a clunker a night where the freshmen look a little bit like freshmen, maybe just can't hit a shot, get a little bit of frustration going. I think, they are the number one seed, overall seed in the NCAA tournament, and I'm not sure if there's anybody close to, to them. At least looks like they're going to be close to them at this point. Obviously, it's incredibly early, but uh, it doesn't look like anybody's going to be able to compete with them on a consistent basis. But I, I, I don't think they're going to – it's hard for me to predict college basketball teams going undefeated, so I'll sell that as good as they looked last night. Fair enough. Uh, I have one for you. It's your turn now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaking, breaking news on the pod this morning, Joe. It's, it's always great to break news on a podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Des Bryant is a New Orleans Saint for okay. we signed for the rest to, of the year. You're about to steal. You're about to steal my buy or sell. By the way, no, I'm not. No, yeah, I'm not. Supposed to be no, 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 no. My buy or sell. Well, you should have started with your follow up because I wanted to use the non. Right. This is just, just now. Yours on. is going to be a follow up to mine. I know you have one on his individual statistics coming up, but I want to ask you: Does Des Bryant? Does Des Bryant vault the Saints ahead of the Rams? In your opinion, the NFC is the favorites. So buy or sell Des Buy or Bryant. sell Des Bryant yes. makes the Saints the favorites in the NFC. I am going to sell that because I thought I think that after last Sunday's game and prior to the trade, they did just that. So I think they vaulted themselves without okay. it. This is the, the sugar on top. I think this is very much without the personality issues of Josh Gordon, very similar to that situation where it could bear serious fruit or it could be a a total nothing move. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's uh, a credit towards the sell of this question because you don't know what Des Bryant is bringing. But I do agree with the fact that the Saints are now the team to be. I I saw what I saw last week. I, I know the Rams are a really good team, but I value a head-to-head more than pretty much anything. Yeah, uh, for me with the Saints, it's it doesn't matter what talent moves they do to bring somebody in. If they have home field advantage in the NFC, they are absolutely the favorites. I mean, it really just comes down to that. And if they don't get it, uh, if they don't hold on to home field advantage, whatever, I'd probably lean towards the Rams, but they're, they're a different team at home. They're a different team in that dome. And if they're playing a, a playoff game there, I don't see them losing. Who dat? I think it just comes down to who dat. Basically. Matt, uh, we're going to stay on the Dez topic here, as we said. Buy or sell. Des collects three touchdowns and 300-plus yards during the second half of the season here with the Saints. I'm going to buy the touchdowns, and I'm going to sell the yards. Um, I think they okay. spread it around that so much. Well, okay. that's my that's my answer. Um, I think they spread it around so much that 300 yards in eight games might be a little bit tough because I think there will be some games where he doesn't get that many looks. But I think with who Des Bryant is, his size, his frame on the outside, he, he's a – perfect red zone target for Drew Brees and with Michael Thomas with Michael Thomas playing as well as he is and Alvin Kamara being as good as he is 
they're not going to be able to do much more to Dez than just kind of cover one-on-one. I think he'll take, take advantage of those matchups, and he's got one of the best ever throwing the ball to him, so that'll only help. All right, I'm going to ask you, Joe, buy or sell people celebrating getting ready for Christmas before Thanksgiving's even happened? Because it's a little bit, I don't like this whole well, let's skip Thanksgiving. I don't like it. I like Thanksgiving. I'm a fan of Thanksgiving. I, don't, I think it gets a raw deal from people wanting to celebrate Christmas on November 1st right after Halloween's over. Huge fan, huge fan of Thanksgiving as well. Thank you. Um, I, I think I think Thanksgiving, I think Thanksgiving falls victim to not really having a set of decorations. Yes, you have your cornucopias, your gourds, a little bit of residuals from the. Halloween this was just you using an excuse to use cornucopia, wasn't it? No, I, I love the word cornucopia. It just kind of came to mind. Uh, but I think that Thanksgiving lacks in the pomp and circumstance of the other holidays, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I'm going to sell it. Thank I, you. I don't mind you, you know, I don't mind you getting your Christmas shopping done. Cause That's I, fine. I love to be ahead of the game there. But the true celebration does not begin until after Thanksgiving for me. I think that's fair. Christmas shopping, fine. Decorations, Christmas music and all that. Let's just, let's hold off a little bit. Let's give Thanksgiving its due. Maybe, yeah, maybe you sneak a... Maybe sneak like a little, a little touch here and there, a hint of you know, Christmas season. But you want to bake Christmas cookies? You want to start baking and, Christmas and cookies? I'm all for it. After. I can live with Go that. For you want to bake Christmas cookies? It. I'll happily eat them. I've never <laughs> turned down a cookie. Uh, Matt, that's all I got for buy or sell. You got anything else with these people before we uh, send them on their way? Uh, no, let's just bear down and get a win on Sunday. And, and shout out to all the Moose and Runes listeners that got back at me. I got a lot of, uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've got a lot of texts of uh, Moose and Runes after dark. People actually popping tops with us here at Moose and Runes. So shout out to all the valued listeners. We love you guys. If we're not doing the podcast after dark, you guys should still do the podcast after dark. Keep Moose and Runes <laughs> after dark alive, people. And if nothing else, we'll put you to sleep. Uh, yeah, Matt, exactly. Why don't you pretty put good this pod to sleep? Shut it. Shut us down here. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Um, well, Joe, I was partially inspired by what we saw. I think it was from you on social media, uh, the, the, the Wish Fest, the Wish Forever promotion. But uh, it's, it's that time of year again. Wish Fest is coming up December 1st. Um, at Bourbon Street on the south side yet again and I just uh, we both wanted to use this as a reminder to go out buy your tickets uh, Dispatch I believe is the headliner I, I think Easton Corbin is there as well the country artist uh, probably should pop the details open right before I read this um, but uh, go out there guys it's, it's uh, tickets are very reasonable if you want to get a gold seat it's only 100 bucks for, for free uh, free drinks and free food all night prime seat if you don't want to do that there's much more reasonable uh, options there's silent auction Bourbon Street is, I'm not sure if you've been there Joe but it's it's a massive bar you can walk around you, you can there's a bunch of different places see if you don't want to be around the concert area you don't have to it's an awesome venue for as good of a cause as there is obviously close to to near and dear to our hearts um great people going to be there it's on a saturday night this year so it's a little bit easier to get to for people don't have to work on fridays or on saturdays instead of fridays but it's 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 an awesome event awesome cause and the people putting it on are you know some of the best people in the world so we're uh, privileged enough to call friends so go out buy some tickets for wish fest uh, go to wish fest have some fun make a donation whatever 
um, but it's, it's about that time of year again. So let's, uh, let's get out there and let's help the Wish Forever uh, Foundation. Absolutely matter. Uh, it is a fantastic cause. Year after year, this thing grows and year after year, more families benefit mm-hmm. in our hero's name, in Andrew's name. And uh, for tickets, website, and to learn more, head over to wishforever.org. That's W-E-I-S-H, the number four ever.org. Wishforever.org. Get your tickets, get your t-shirts, get everything you can get and uh, help Buy support some merch. Uh, the best Buy some merch. Help support one of the best causes uh, going around in the Chicagoland area and the greater Midwest area. Good on the Wishers for uh, for doing what they do. We love you guys. We love the Wishers. We love our listeners. And we appreciate you guys for tuning into the Moose and Roots podcast, episode 79. We got episode eighty coming next week. We getting old here. We getting yeah, old. We're you know we're four fifths of the way to uh, to a hundred. We got to start planning. Where are we going for hundred? You want to do a hundred live from Vegas? I'll go back to Vegas. Too many numbers. We could do live for Vegas. Yeah. We'll I didn't lose. I didn't lose over there. the weekend. That's good. It's not winning, but it's not not losing. Or it's not. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, it's, I'm it's confused something. now. That's yeah. it for us. <laughs> the Moose and Roots podcast. For Matt, I'm Joe. We'll talk to you guys soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the state was phenomenal.